Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we're on. And we're on. Okay. Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Movie Club. <laughs> My name is Jazz Zapatos, and... When I was young, the most badass thing I could have done would be to continue to eat Captain Crunch, even though it shredded the roof of my mouth. <laughs> like as a, a rebellious act? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just basically like eating blood for breakfast. But I was like, this will make oh me harder. God. I mean, I did that and I didn't drink milk either. So like, I don't know if I'm assuming it makes it even worse. So you're just eating dry Captain Crunch? Yeah. Oh, shit. You're harder than me. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't go like past my limit. In case anyone was wondering. My fun fact is I used a Counting Crows lyric for my senior quote for the yearbook. No. <laughs> yeah. What was it? All at once you look across the crowded room to see the way that light attaches to a girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of sexual for a senior oh, quote. I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. Everyone else is like, I'm blowing this popsicle stand. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> yeah. I froze. <laughs> Well, in your defense, I used a John Mayer lyric as my really? senior quote. Yeah. It was, I'm holding out for the homeless. Nice. <laughs> Which I feel like was just like a premonition that a pandemic to give me a reason not to go anywhere and also work from home. Call me psychic. I got the home life after all. Did you ever see the light reflect on a girl's face? <laughs> no, it never ended up happening. <laughs> it's supposed to happen all at once, but I, yeah. Well, I've got a ring light on, if that counts. This could be your <laughs> Yeah, moment. that's true. It's happening right now. <laughs> Sweet. Well, that puts us in a really good like throwback to high school mood, which is exactly what we're going to be doing today as we bring you a conversation on Never Been Kissed. Yeah, I mean, it has to be one of the more seminal movies of the 90s in terms of high school. And it, it takes like a very different approach to it, but it's like a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Huge deal. Two mixed reviews, but also like this was the first movie to be produced by Drew Barrymore's production company, Flower Films. And I would say like right out the gate to create something this iconic is, I mean, well done, Drew. Yeah. And then she went on to make a bunch of other things. I mean, this was her first like executive producer credit. She went on to do Charlie's Angels, Donnie Darko. He's just not that into you. And I had to kind of look up what an executive producer does <laughs> i mean it's a huge deal it's everything i mean you are looking over every moving part and like i mean down to like she was going shopping for her own costume pieces she was just Damn. she was very hands-on and it paid off are there other instances of executive producer i'm sure there are but i just don't know what they are executive producer star for sure couldn't give you a single example <laughs> but i know that the answer is yes okay <laughs> That's good enough for me. Well, Daniel, shall we set the scene? Absolutely. The description of this movie reads, Josie Geller, a baby-faced junior copywriter at the Chicago Sun-Times, must pose as a student at her former high school to research contemporary teenage culture. With the help of her brother, Rob, Josie infiltrates the inner circle of the most popular clique on campus, but she hits a major snag in her investigation, not to mention her own failed love life, when she falls for her dreamy English teacher, Sam Coulson. It sounds like a better 
premise than what it actually, in my opinion, like what it actually turned out. That sounds amazing. And I, I like this movie, but it didn't like live up to all the things that I thought it was going to be. It's like a bubblegum movie, right? There's not a ton of depth. The lessons learned are lessons that we've learned about a hundred times. It's definitely, as as it's aged, definitely a bit problematic. You know, they're very two-dimensional characters. They're like popular kids, nerdy kids. You know, woman who needs to come into her own and learn a lesson. You know, like nothing is novel in this film. It's just fun and also very cringy at certain points like man you know how we were talking about in some movies it just would not work like princess diaries for example it would just not have worked for some of these like super babely actresses to try and be like a Mia thermopolis drew barrymore who in life is a babe was so convincingly nerdy that i was physically uncomfortable for parts of this film me too. There's parts of it she just looks like gross, kind of. Like Josie Grossy? Oh, Grossy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. She's yeah. all greasy and stuff. I mean, I think that was my first note. Yeah. I was like, they really <laughs> got her to look like a total loser. Some of it was hard to watch. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's parts of this movie that like Mean Girls just did so much better like and it's very similar it's not really fair because this came out first but like the ascension up into like the a squad yeah, and, and just infiltration of the popular yes. crowd by lying that's right it's very similar but she never really got to be like actually very cool i don't know if the movie was trying to make her very cool whereas Lindsay lohan i feel like it was more believable well she was accepted more or less but it was all based on stuff that like her brother made up about her it wasn't really and then like she went shopping and got some new clothes really weird stuff her brother made up about oh, we're gonna get to that <laughs> trust me Luke. okay yeah i was uncomfortable yep well before we go in i could go through the cast and crew if that works I would love that for you and me the movie came out april 9th 1999 so like i went through some of the movies that were like playing in theaters and the matrix is a huge one saving private ryan the prince of egypt patch adams so it kind of like sets you sets you up for a time and a place the budget was like 25 million bucks and they grossed 85 million so that's successful good job it was written by uh, abby Cohn and mark silverstein so these like two people who co-write movies they did he's just not that into you that was uh, one of the movies that she produced the most popular is i feel pretty the amy schumer movie and their movies have grossed over $900 million globally. So they're okay. they're doing great. Yeah. So like we said, the main character of Josie Geller is Drew Barrymore. Before this, she did E.T., Batman, Scream, then The Wedding Singer. And also in Scream, she was supposed to play the lead, but had other commitments. I'm guessing maybe The Wedding Singer. I'm not sure. And that worked out. I mean, even though she has a small role in Scream, it's still like so iconic. Yeah, I think she, it accomplished everything she needed without having to be a main part of that movie. People associate her, her with Scream. Scream so. It actually shocked me how little she's in the movie when I saw it. I was like, wait, wasn't this like one of her biggest roles? Yeah, but that's scene is the movie yeah Yeah, then she did like ever after and home fries charlie's angels 51st days he's just not that into you so she's been in a lot of things i was starting to read about drew barrymore and there's a bunch of like really interesting things first of all her godfather is steven spielberg yeah uh, Yeah. which makes sense she's had a really nutso life i was reading about that and it's just like not to get too into it but like she was getting like wasted when she was like seven years old going to the clubs with her mom and then she got checked into rehab at 13 years old. Her mom like forced her into rehab, like institutionalized her basically. It like took years for her to forgive her mother. It was like this whole thing. You can hear it on pretty much any talk show ever that she's on. Yeah, tough life. And then she just crushed it. So then some of the other cast members will go through like the main ones and then maybe some fun ones. Sam Coulson is played by Michael Varden. The thing I kept thinking of was One Hour Photo. Oh, I don't know 
that. Oh, it's oh, it's fucked up. It's a really good movie, though. <laughs> Glowing review. Um, it's really good. Rob Geller, David Arquette. He was in All the Screams, Eight-Legged Freaks. He grew up in the same neighborhood as Drew Barrymore, so they were besties, Aww. best buds. And in this movie, he played Rob Geller, and at the time, he was married to Courtney Cox, who was playing Monica Geller on Friends. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Lily Sobieski is Aldi's. I just remember her from Eyes Wide Shut. We've got Molly Shannon playing Anita. Octavia Spencer playing Cynthia, so it's she was in The Help and Ma. Then we got John C. Riley as Gus. We know him from Dr. Steve Brule. Walk Hard. Walk Hard, of course, Talladega Nights. Gary Marshall as Rigford. He directed one of our previous episodes about a previous movie, The Princess Diaries. That's right. Last two is first film for Jessica Alba. James Franco's in it. First film for James Franco. So launched the careers of two very good looking people. Yeah, they needed so much help. (laughs) Yeah, right. They never made it without this film. Right. Everyone was really well cast. Why don't we, as we do every episode, talk about how the movie was received? I've gathered a few reviews here. We've got some mixed emotions, even within the same reviews. Like the consensus I'm getting is if Drew Barrymore hadn't starred in this movie, it would not really have been tolerated. A hundred percent. I totally get that. First, starting with John Anderson of Newsday. He writes, the flashback Josie is so grotesque and the present tense Josie so unbelievable that never been kissed is essentially an exercise in humiliation. I don't really even understand what that means. I mean, I guess it's that cringe factor. Like you get like secondhand embarrassment as you're watching it. I mean, hey, like at the end of the day, good art, right, isn't always supposed to make you feel good or like you like what you're watching, but maybe the goal is just to make you feel something. And so even if you're sitting there like uncomfortably embarrassed for her the whole time, it was still effective. I agree. I think that like if it wasn't like that, I think that movie really doesn't work. Like I think one of the only reasons why this movie works is because of how uncomfortable and believable and realistic and how fucking weird she is if she was still kind of babish but just like in glasses you know what i mean like we would just be like okay whatever right. and then a lot of actual nerds would probably be very upset right like us <laughs> it'd be like don't what is it called like don't appropriate nerd culture if yeah, you're not right. you're gonna really portray it um i can't even say that anyone who knows me knows i was always cool but... <laughs> you look cool now. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So anyway, (laughs) next up, uh, we have, as always, a review from our dear, dear friend, Roger Ebert. He gave this movie three out of four stars, which is pretty good. And he was another sort of back and forth, but he wrote... The movie's screenplay is contrived and not blindingly original, but Barrymore illuminates it with sunniness and creates a lovable character. I think this is what's known as star power. Meanwhile, Josie's adventures in high school are monitored at the Sun Times through a remarkable invention, a brooch that contains a miniature TV camera and transmits everything (laughs) she sees back to the office. We do not actually have such technology at the Sun-Times, and thank heavens, or my editors would have had to suffer through baby geniuses. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, the barbs. I guess he's worked at the Sun-Times, so is what I'm getting from Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Never Been Kissed is not deep or sophisticated, but it's funny and big-hearted, and it wins us over. Yeah, that's right. And then no like rambling manifestos from Amazon, but I did pick three sort of short and sweet. And by sweet, I mean horrifically mean (laughs) (laughs) reviews. Hit me. First up, Victoria Mansberger writes, this movie is awful. Even compared to other awful movies, I'd rather rewatch a Serbian film. (laughs) (laughs) 
whatever that means. I have no idea what that means. I, I just have a really hard time understanding why anyone would think this is awful. Like, I understand not liking right. it, but it's, it's not, not awful. In no way is it awful. Scott writes, boring, nowhere near enough boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Scott. You sly dog. Got yes, got eight. Uh, lastly, Derek McCumber writes a review titled "Pathetic Loser Loves Attractive Pedophile." <laughs> <laughs> okay, actually, that's pretty good though. <laughs> and then writes, "If this sort of thing floats your leaky little boat, have at it." <laughs> <laughs> I like that guy. I know Derek McCumber. Derek. <laughs> P.S. If you listen to this podcast and we've ever read one of your reviews, please. Let us know. Yeah, we'll Venmo you three hundred dollars. <laughs> We're saying it right here, right now. If anybody ever yeah. can prove that we've read your review out loud, and luckily Roger Ebert's dead, so he can't come after us. <laughs> so luckily, <laughs> so I didn't. Ooh, that didn't come out right. I don't want him to be dead. I just don't want to pay no. him all that money. Yeah, so. exactly. He has enough or had. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Those is my reviews. Shall we hop into the plot? Absolutely. Let's do it. Sweet. We open on a baseball field. A timer is set for five minutes. And there's a woman standing in the middle of the field, the adorable Drew Barrymore. Of course, we begin with her narration. And she says, you know, in some movies, they have a dream sequence, except they don't tell you it's a dream. Well, this is definitely not a dream. I was just trying to do my job. And immediately I was like, yeah, fucking Romy and Michelle had me like out of my mind for 20 full minutes before I realized it was a dream sequence. So I was really glad that <laughs> Drew right. just let us know right up top, this is not a dream sequence. This is real. I felt like it was trying to get out ahead of something that I didn't ever think of. Like, I, I would never think that was a dream sequence. There was really nothing that would have made you feel like it was a <laughs> I mean, Maybe for her, it felt like, wow, this is like a dream. But that you didn't need to let us know. I don't think so. I mean, there's a lot of like, I cannot stand when movies are like, and it was like something out of a movie. <laughs> this is a movie. It's trying to excuse itself right. for how movie-ish it's being. We're already buying into the fact that this is not real. Right. We showed up and paid a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So most of the time I'd say no, but Romy and Michelle fucking donged on me so hard that yes. maybe I shouldn't. Just <laughs> so we flash back to the Chicago sun, we see like the city in Chicago. Josie's walking to work and talking about how, you know, basically invisible she is because she's clearly so gross because she's a brunette. <laughs> That's right. Disgusting. Yes, that trope. Follow her into work and she is the youngest copywriter at the Chicago sun. She has an assistant named Merkin, which is very unfortunate for him. I love that guy. He's so funny. Like he's just such a sleazeball. His... Uh, every line is so funny. He's just trying to make up those sayings and put them on t-shirts and stuff. He's always trying to rhyme his name with stuff. And I'm like, your name means pubic hair wig. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. <laughs> I would just start by changing that. And we're just sort of getting a lay of the land. We meet our coworkers, Molly Shannon being one of them, who is the clearly defined by being the office tramp, who's been fired eight times. What is her job, by the way? What is Molly she Shannon's do? job? Yeah. I have no idea, actually. She just fucks everyone in the office. She fucks uh, the guy from Grandma's Boy and all the Adam Sandler yes. movies. Yeah. And like right off the bat, I'm already like, okay, so when are her and John C. Riley going to fall in love? Because immediately it's like 
Of course. Uh, We see what's going on here. They're great. I love both of them in this movie. They're setting it up where it's like, you know, she just looks homely and and weird. Like all the people that she talks to, she's probably going to be a really cool underneath the surface. Like, no, actually, as soon as you talk to her, it's way, way worse. (laughs) It's so much worse. She like is really annoying. She's like kind of a know-it-all. She's like constantly correcting people's word choice. I could never. Yeah. Deal with somebody like that in the workplace. I mean, I've known in my head that it's not nauseous, it's nauseated, and I have not, and you're welcome to everyone who I talk to, have not said that to people because I know how annoying it is that you get nauseated, that you're not nauseous. But like, she just cannot help herself. She is a copywriter, but it's clear she really wants to be a reporter. She is constantly badgering her boss about it. He does not want to give her a chance. He just doesn't think she has it in her. And probably for good reason. She's like a little out of touch. She's definitely like not great with people skills. She doesn't know how to spot a story. Like, I don't really know She never even really gets the skills. Yeah, the whole time. Like she's kind of, she's actually really bad at at it pretty much the whole time. So it's like, you got to be able to grab the bull by the balls. And she's like, you don't think I can grab a bull's balls? It's like, no, Joe, I don't. (laughs) But, you know, he's just like, he's like, you got to be a little reckless. And she's not reckless. She's like very in control. She doesn't own any colored underwear. She's very career oriented and just like, kind of uptight we learn that she's never been kissed because she doesn't want to be kissed by any old loser even though molly shannon is like it's fun yeah kissing losers is the best i think molly shannon's just like she just really likes to get it in like good for her good for her and you know what it can be a fun diversion to kiss somebody that like you know they're not you're not gonna end up marrying them but like it's practice it's you know it's distraction it's just living life So she's talking about how she wants her first kiss to be. And we have this like very interesting, very early for the movie, intense monologue, like zoom in, where she's like on the brink of crying, talking about the perfect first kiss. And I was a little bit like, this seems like out of genre. They were rushing things because, and for good reason, because I think the beginning of this movie is really boring. Like I, I was watching this movie and the first like 20 minutes, I was like, oh, maybe I don't like this movie at all. And then it got better, better, better. You got to get to high school. They're just like kind of hammering home what a loser she is. Like we need to see her at home with her turtles in the evenings making needlepoint pillows. Like they just really want us to know she's a fucking loser, okay? And she is. And she is. And also what they're trying to do is they're trying to make us think that she's a good writer. But I didn't think it was very well written, like what she was talking about. <laughs> but whatever. Like they were trying to set up the like what it's going to be when right. she writes her right. her last piece. Totally. You know, that romantic stuff. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, we cut back to work. They're all in the conference room while the boss is kind of going off. Molly Shannon is giving blowjobs to pencils <laughs> <laughs> during this meeting. I kept thinking about what that eraser must taste like. Oh God, I could taste it in my mouth if I think about it. Like a me too. Like I could a taste pencil it right eraser, now. and then like the metal around the eraser. Yep, but she really went for it. <laughs> she was going for it with that guy from HR or whatever. No, pro- definitely not HR, but whatever. <laughs> right. Whatever head of he HR. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> oh, HR! Like, weren't you in Grandma's Boy? <laughs> <laughs> not gonna fly it's not gonna fly and the big boss is just like listen this is an undercover story that we're gonna do and he just kind of looks around the room and is like well you look young you're going to high school and boom she has her first undercover story and she's psyched she's so psyched 
doesn't think twice about it, is like, this is my chance. So she goes to visit her brother, David Arquette, at work to tell him slash ask if she can borrow his like rundown car that would be believable for a high schooler. By the way, David Arquette is looking fine, fine. Yeah, I kind of didn't remember that he was such a handsome guy. Oh my God, so stinking cute. Just like this boyish charm. He's definitely the guy that like you would hook up with in college and then you'd be like, okay, but I can't marry you. You're not serious. Yeah, yeah. You're going slumming with uh, David Arquette. I mean, that's one thing. Like when David Arquette is immediately popular, I think it doesn't work for some people. It works so much for him. Like I'm like, that guy would be so popular day one. Yeah, Without a doubt. Yeah. He's just got the charisma. He's got the charm, but like not in a way where he's not trying. It's just like inherently who he is. So she's all excited and he's like, Josie, why would you elect to go back to high school? Like, don't you remember what it was like? Like, they called you. He's like, what did they call you? Cut to a cafeteria full of kids shouting, Josie Grossi. And by kids, I mean 30-year-old actors. <laughs> they, they pull back and then he, he realized that her brother made up the nickname too. And he just didn't know they would run with yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, I know. I made it up. He's like, I didn't know if it would catch on so much. Actually not. Yeah. So she like goes to the bathroom and a, a toilet piece of toilet paper blowing in the wind like brings her back <laughs> to her high school. Very far gump. Yeah. Her just walking through the halls of a high school and <laughs> just <laughs> sorry. John just a lot of John yeah. Mayer for me when I think about high school. Anyway, she's walking down the hall. One person puts a roll of toilet paper in her backpack. So it's like streaming toilet paper out the back. (laughs) Another person pours out a full can of Sprite into her backpack and her books so that when she approaches her crush, Billy, it looks like she's peeing all over the floor. And I was just, I feel like this is super common in 80s, 90s movies where like the whole school decides they're going to torture one person, like in the most cruel way for no reason. But it's just so brutal. And I mean, I never witnessed anything like that growing up. But like it is a big trope in movies where the whole school is like, you. Yeah. I mean, like in my high school, there wasn't like consensus about anything. Everyone is has like a singular goal. I feel like in my high school, there was so much stuff going on. There was never like one thing that was happening. It's like, let's go torture this <laughs> this loser. Right. And I'm sure, listen, I'm sure, I know bullying exists. Like I know, you know, I'm sure it's happened. But now I feel like if this was happening in 2022, not to be too brutal, but like Josie Grossi would turn up and just murder all of them. Like it just wouldn't fly anymore. Yeah. Her personality is just so meek like even when she you know gets dunked on she doesn't even really care like she's a perfect target first of all she has this flashback and has a panic attack and is like maybe i can't do this (laughs) actually maybe this is a terrible idea but she's like you know what i'm gonna show up looking fly and she ends up looking arguably worse possibly worse yeah yeah really bad just like feathered out hair a feather boa this like all white ensemble and like white lips so she gets to class and of course immediately we meet the mean girls of the school and this guy walks in who like immediately she sees as her high school crush billy but his name is actually guy so far two really good hot guy names billy and guy billy and guy billy is a pretty i would feel like billy's used a lot as hot guy name i think that's got to be the number one because isn't that romy and michelle wasn't that his name too yes yeah it's like Billy, I don't know, like Hunter. Are we talking Hawkeye names? Is that what we're doing? What else? Jake. 
Jake. Well, that I now we're just thinking of uh, um, <laughs> not another team movie. <laughs> One of my favorite movies of all time. Me too. I agree because every time, like when I saw Josie's like first outfit, it just it's the same outfit as that <laughs> really old woman who goes to school. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been kissed. If this movie did nothing but give us that scene and not another teen movie, it was worth it. <laughs> yes, that's right. Anyway, I mean, just because she looks younger than that old lady doesn't mean she's really all much more convincing because she shows up for her first undercover assignment and has clearly done zero prep work. She literally yes. stands up in class on the first day and the teacher's like, tell us who you are. And she doesn't even have any backstory figured out whatsoever that drove me crazy so this part this is the part where i was like there's things that really like i i don't always need some logic but i need a little bit like there's never any explanation about how they're possibly pulling this off like is the school in on it if not how did she get to be a student there Right. It, shouldn't the teachers know? Because then her brother does it too. Right. Her brother does it because they just, just like prints forge that. An ID. Yeah. But like, I guess they can't do it because what they're going to be unco- uncovering is like really bad stuff about these kids. But then it's like this is not legal. Yeah. Like, couldn't they get in big trouble as posing as a like posing as a minor and kind of like taking advantage of other minors like without their consent to being interviewed or and we're not even getting into the video part of it yet right she's filming everything like this girl could be walking through gym locker rooms right right what about that what about the locker room i don't see how on on what planet this would be legal we're almost like rushed through this as fast as she is because she doesn't have any explanation about who she is that that would be the first thing you would do like she has to do the thing where she looks around the room and is like billy bali bali i'm from bali and we're sheep it's like the brady bunch thing where it's like my boyfriend george glass george glass and <laughs> like, none of that stuff is ever brought up again so she doesn't ever need to like work out the right. realist yeah they're, they're just like let's just get past the part where we figure out how this is feasible she's in high school okay let's just yes. roll with it and we do so we get to shakespeare class and meet hot teacher sam and also our new friend aldis who she was originally offered to play the part of popular girl Kirsten, but she turned it down because she was more interested in playing the role of the nerdy friend. That's great because she couldn't have been that to me. And I think she did a great job as the nerdy friend. I think she yeah. did a great job too. I mean, she's objectively stunning to like, yeah, she's yeah. like at the, you know, at the prom where she's like in her body. Like, I was just like, Jesus, you are striking. But yeah, I don't see her as being the kind of plasticky like mean girls type character. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you just look at that person and just her eyes. There's too much like empathy and stuff going on. It just wouldn't really work for me. I don't know if she could, maybe she's an actor, right? Maybe she could have pulled it off. But to me, it just worked perfectly like this. She's such a believable nerd. Big time. So we're in this class. She obviously knows a thing or two about literature. She's just, again, blatantly not trying to fit in. She's just kind of like going off about Shakespeare and this teacher's just looking at her like he's going to eat her. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure you're 17? Yeah. Which is also like a weird ass question to ask. Yeah, she didn't. She's not trying to like be like, oh, uh, I don't know who Shakespeare is. All I know is, I don't know who, who at the time, like, Ush, Ush, all I know is Usher or something like that. <laughs> she, she's like, yeah, I know every single thing about Shakespeare yeah. because I'm 25 years old. Recite a whole soliloquy like she's not good at her job. 
So, but yeah, she's just, she's making a complete fool out of herself at school. It's so cringy. She like immediately thinks she can sit down with the popular kids and it just is very awkward. That I think that was one of my most awkward moments when she sits down oh my with them. God, and starts just rhyming words. And I, I think Guy says something like, are you in special ed? Yeah. And not, not sarcastically. And not sarcastically. She's like, so what are your hopes and dreams? And I just wanted to crawl into a hole and die watching <laughs> someone do that. Yeah, it's bad. So the popular kids steal her car and hide it, which is kind of, I guess, what they do to all the new kids. But luckily, Aldis, our new friend, fills us in, helps her find her car, grab a meal, and she's like, we're going to bring you into to our, well, basically like the math club, which is sort of their friend group, and they're, they're essentially offering her protection, <laughs> is the way they phrase it. Which is another parallel with Mean Girls. Yeah. Oh, So Mean yeah. Girls took a lot. Truly, yeah. yeah, kind of verbatim. She's making friends, you know, she's actually like having a good time with the math club or as they're called, the denominators. We have a flashback to her reading out a poem back in the day that she wrote for Billy Prince. Then like through the grapevine, it, get, it gets back to her that he's going to ask her to prom. Ugh. And she, oh God, it yeah. hurts me so bad. She's so earnest and like. She's so earnest and kids are so mean. So we yeah. flash forward and I love this so much that the, the prom theme is decided and it is millennium. Of course. Which yeah. like, I kind of wish we could have seen that because like for them, what does that mean? You I need I mean? to know like, what that means. Like yeah. on the other side of the millennium, we we know more or less like what a millennial theme prom would be. But for them, like it's like aliens and stuff. It's now, yeah. <laughs> right? Like they are living it. So like for us, it would be like ooh throwback style. But for them, it would be like flying cars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alex Alex Mac Metallic Goo. That's what I'm, like, I'm thinking of the cover of Willennium. I was just like, gonna say Willennium. Yes. R.I.P. <laughs> also, it's like a thing that I've never heard of, but it's like their school competes with other schools for best prom. <laughs> never heard of that. I don't want to jump ahead, but like then someone else steals their idea. It's like you didn't think every it's 1999. Everyone's going to be doing right. everyone's going to do millennium. Yeah. But I, I've never heard of that competing for prom. I mean, who's the arbiter? Competing like, for a best prom. Who's the objective party? I would love, love to throw a prom party. I'm there. Maybe one day for the podcast, we throw a prom. You want to do famous couples throughout history? Yeah, I mean, or just have to be a character from a movie from the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s. Or you have to be a movie from one of the episodes that we have. Yes. Or you have to be us. Yeah, or us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that would hurt my feelings. I think whatever anyone <laughs> people come in with like like Nazi propaganda, like no big nose for me. Right. <laughs> They're like... Like, I'm jazzed. My voice is annoying as shit. It's already hurting my feelings. We're opening ourselves up to some dangerous territory. But you know what? It would be worth it uh, for the money we would make on concessions and booze. Anyway. Yep. File that one away for the future. If you want us to hold a prom, let us know. We'll come to a city near you. Uh, You have to pay for it. Anyway. John C. Riley is like, stop fucking around. Yeah, like for real. Get good stories. Yeah. We're getting scooped by other people. Do your fucking job. Be friends with the popular kids. We're not paying you full time to just go to school and join the math club. We don't really need you to have this cathartic ex- experience. It's not really what we care about. But she's so far, like first day, you could tell she just 
is so into it and just is trying to make right with her terrible high school memories. She has a meltdown. She's just like, I can't do this. And her brother gives her a really good, really adorable pep talk and makes her yell at the end of it, I'm not Josie Grossy anymore. And can I just say how badly I wanted to perfect a Drew Barrymore impression for this episode? Like I even watched YouTube tutorials and I just don't think my mouth is shaped in a way in which it's possible. And it's really hard for me. We could always get some advice from past and future guest, friend of the pod, uh, Nicole Stervalta. That's true. Uh, she's got a great, That's very great Drew true. Barrymore. I think it is the mouth movement, but I don't, I, I've never been able to do impressions really. So, <sighs> Man, so fuck off, I guess. anyway so sorry for everyone to disappoint you i normally come in with some hot impressions but not today it's a tough one anywho now she's got this hidden camera pinned to her cardigan which is problematic oh did we miss the introduction of rufus yet guy the hot dude is trying to make a new slang word happen which is rufus things are like totally rufus which actually mean girls again is probably how they were trying to make fetch happen they're trying to make rufus happen which i mean they kind of do everyone makes it happen but man so many more parallels than i even wow they just blatantly ripped off that movie ripped it off yeah so she decides to go out to this reggae club to hang out with them but her teacher is also there with his girlfriend who's visiting from new york but wouldn't you need to be at least 18, like even if you couldn't drink? That I thought the same thing. And then I thought maybe it really was the thing. Like she's she goes up to the bouncer. She's like, I am not 21. I am 17 years old. And then he like stamps her with yeah. that stamp. But that's supposed to be okay. It's also like full of people like doing drugs. It's like an open air drug market there. <laughs> if also if I was a teacher and I went into a nightclub and saw a bunch of my students, I would immediately leave. Yes, I would sneak out. I wouldn't be like, oh, it's so good to see you. Right. No. And so, but he's there with his girlfriend who's visiting from New York, who's trying to get him to move to New York. And she's like super prissy and just like, sorry, I can't hear you. It's so loud in here. She's like, I know you love this place, but I hope you get it out of your system before you move to New York. And I was just like, right, because New York has no dive bars, no partying. (laughs) It's very serious town. Right, yeah. We just go to the Met and read poetry in the park. (laughs) There's not a good place to get a burger after like six o'clock in New York. Like, bitch, that's the whole Lower East Side. What are you talking about? But anyway, she's she's not about it. And it's clear she's like one of these controlling girlfriends that's only going to be in the movie for another five minutes. Yes, because he looks like he absolutely can't stand her right in front of Josie. Like- anyway, we cut over to the popular girls who have choreographed a whole dance because, sure, Josie decides to sit down with a bunch of Rastafarians. Rastafari? Maybe. They feed her this giant weed brownie and she goes fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, she gets high and acts like no high person has ever acted, ever. No, no. And I know, I mean, I don't partake, but I've seen enough to know that it doesn't make you like, like, it it seems like they gave her Molly or something. Maybe, you know, the part where she's like eating the pie. She's like, who ate all my pie? But like everything else is like, woo! She gets up on stage, like she's dancing with the band it is painfully awkward and uncomfortable. Ugh. She does the she whole like smacking her own smacking butt? the bongo in her butt, and she's like doing this feather boa like between her legs. 
And it is just, again, not the behavior of a stoned person. No. And I think that people saw that scene and were like, this is really endearing. I barely could make it through it. I didn't. And you like see the teacher watching yeah. her from the balcony. And he's just like, man, there's something about her. And I'm like, oh, doesn't God, make any no. sense. She, I it never figure out sense. why he likes her at all. She's smart. She's smart. She's smart. She gets, yeah. but like, fuck. Especially by this point in the movie, like she still looks insane. Like as it goes on, even before she gets super cool, at least like her hair chills out a little bit. She's starting to get semi more normal looking. The only time she looks really normal normal is when she comes back and is like clearly an adult to the high school to like that's the only time she looks anywhere close to normal she still looks really strange she falls asleep on her hand on the kitchen counter and i guess is going to be late for school so she wears the same outfit she wore to the club throws a cardigan on it's clear that the stamp said something like DeLosser or something. I couldn't figure out what the stamp said. But the only part that rubs off on her forehead is loser. So she has loser written across her forehead. (laughs) So, oh, fun fact I forgot to mention earlier. So when she walks into school, the entrance to their school has these security guards with metal detectors. And the security guard that works at the school is the other Wilson brother, Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson's brother. Really? They have a third brother. Oh, that poor guy. His name's Andrew Wilson. He's in a bunch of movies with them. Like, he's always kind of a secondary character, but, like, I love seeing him pop up. Oh, okay. He's also, like, really good looking. Doesn't look like either one of them. Just really good looking in his own right. He looks like a sexy lumberjack. He's like the brawny paper towel man IRL. (sighs) Did not know. Anyway, so she runs into school going through the halls and of course everyone's ripping on her and she doesn't know why they're like loser loser so she goes into the bathroom and of course like you know the guy in the van who's watching all the footage from her hidden camera is just like sees her view in the mirror she can't see it she's like washing her face and he's like oh my god Josie look up look up look up girl and finally she looks up and sees it and it's just like so mortified she sits down in a bathroom stall and spirals out she has a flashback to her high school prom night where she's all dressed up, ready to go. She walks outside onto her front porch, ready for Billy to come pick her up. He pops up out of the limo, out of the sunroof, and suddenly a blonde is there next to him, and he eggs her, like straight in the face with an egg, and goes, write a poem about this, dork, (laughs) and she just crumbles, like so fucking cruel. It's the cruelest. It's so mean, even though I couldn't help but think that is a really funny line, right? A film about this dork. But yeah, it's like a really, really sad thing. So devastating. The one thing I really could have used in this movie was some kind of revenge on that asshole. Same. I kind of like it because they take the high ground like in general. It's also the sentiment is like high school wouldn't be high school without these people. And they're they're essential in their own strange ways. Anywho, she runs out of the bathroom. A door swings open in front of her. She runs into it, knocks her out. Who is there waking her up? Her own brother, who's been inspired by her journey and decides he's going to go back to high school at 23 years old with a fake ID because he wants to play baseball again and get recruited to a college team. Not for nothing, they both went to this high school. Right. Not long ago. Yeah. I would imagine like, the principal's probably the same. The baseball coach, more or less. Like somebody in the athletics department's got to be the same. Like, are you telling me? Yeah, things don't like roll over every year. The teachers, there are definitely teachers that have been there for the last five years at least. How are they, they just switch over the entire staff? Oh, wait, are we positive I it's the same know. school? 
Yes. It's in the description. Oh, okay. Because that, that could be such an easy fix. So, of course, like day one, he's already super duper popular because he eats an entire tub of coleslaw. Yep. Like an absolute sociopath. So sick. And maybe Nasha's just looking yeah. at us. Like, <laughs> and that would be the best and last day of my life. So, <laughs> we cut to senior carnival night. Josie is getting on a Ferris wheel by herself. And like just so fucking brutal. The carnies like, we got a single here. Nobody right. wants to ride with this bitch. Anybody? It's like in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall where he's like, yeah, just table for one. It's like, are you, aren't you going to be bored? You want like a magazine or something? <laughs> right. Why wouldn't a person just like a person would be fine to go on a Ferris wheel by themselves? Well, carnies are just brutal. Small oh. hands. Smell like cabbage. <laughs> Never forget. If you get that reference, it's not from a prior episode, but it is an important <laughs> one. So I'd say I love this scene. I think this is one of my favorite like looking scenes in the movie because it's got that like camera angle right in front of them. Like the physical relationship between them is interesting that they have to be like thrust into this small car and he's kind of like revealing too much about himself in like kind of a creepy way. I just like it. It's really cool. I agree with you. I think it is shot really well i think like the tension is palpable but i think i was too distracted to appreciate it by how horrifically inappropriate it was it was it is so inappropriate just the fact that like hot teacher sees she's alone and grabs the opportunity to ride with her again it would be the type of thing where like if he was sitting on it alone and she came to sit with him and he would be like oh no no it's okay like you know i, I you know what i mean yes just immediately nope Hard nope. Like, let's say that she's not in love with him. Then it's really fucking problematic. Like, that he's forcing this girl to go on a, a ride with him and talk about how he doesn't love his girlfriend. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? He, I mean, right off the bat, he starts out by saying, I hope this doesn't undermine my position of authority, but I'm afraid of heights. No. Sitting on a Ferris wheel with one of your young female students does. He's just opening up about his shitty relationship. He's, like, giving her his emotional baggage. Yeah, but, and then he says something about her like looking really pretty, but I can't say. He says something like, when you're my age, guys will be lined up around the block for you. Oh, oh, yes. And then she's like, you have to say that because you're my teacher. I'm like, actually, he shouldn't say that because he's your teacher. Well, and that's what he says. He's like, no, I shouldn't say that because I'm your teacher. Yeah, then, he does. He says Yeah. He does say that. Goo. You're very on, close, man. dude. <laughs> very close oh, to getting it. The only reason I would say this didn't become like a full-blown affair is because there was no like texting cell phone i mean there were cell phones and there was texting but it wasn't as big you know what i mean Cause <laughs> right. they, i mean it would have been like hey yeah. why don't you take my number so we can like organize a study group or whatever he goes to the reggae club one night gets a little drunk starts flirting has a paper trail yeah, yeah. oh yeah dude would have gone down hard and the thing is is like i'm still not sure how the movie really meant to be positioning it because the way they cast him, it's twofold. He has to be able to be likable enough that he's our leading man and she ends up with him. But he's still doing overtly creepy shit. So it's like, do you want us to think he's a creep or do you want us to think he's just a nice guy and kind of feel bad for him because he like... I think that they their calculus was wrong. They They were like, actually, I think audiences are going to think this is okay because she really is 25. And it's it's just like... No, because he doesn't think she's 25. He thinks she's 17. So none of this is okay. And then like at the end, or what, what we get to and when they're trying to like persecute him through this article, at least they kind of touch on it there. But then it makes me think like, okay, so you actually knew 
about how creepy this is, but then you just threw that in there to kind of... Dude does not have really have a leg to stand on. It's not like she's setting him up, even though the boss is kind of like, this is our story, and he's not wrong. This is, if you want a juicy story, this is a teacher being inappropriate with a student. Like, it's there. And she's not setting him up in any way. She's, because she's against it. She doesn't want that to be the story. But it's happening regardless. There's one, like, version of this story where, like, Josie really wants to make it as a reporter. And the last 20 minutes of this movie are her, like, going full flirting with him. Like Mr. Deeds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly like Mr. Deeds. They don't do that, but that that's a version of this story that would be interesting. But she doesn't. She doesn't go out of her way to seduce him. In fact, I would argue she does the exact opposite. I agree. I agree. I don't see how that won't come up in their relationship down the line where she's like, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you were actively hitting on me when I Remember? was a student and you're still a teacher. So like, how do I know you're what you're doing at school? Right, exactly. I mean, so like, yeah, every time they see a 17 year old, it's like, what do you think of her? It's like, oh, I don't think like that. It's like, well, you kind of thought about that when I was 17. So. Right. When I was 17. <laughs> when I was 17. Um, and then I think that this story that they're pitching is even, it's like a really good idea because it's the only way to figure out what's really happening without whistleblowers and people who are extra vocal. Basically how to catch a predator. Yeah. I had this thought the other night before I went to sleep and I wrote it down and it was going to be a movie poster and it was going to be Chris Hansen and it says to catch a predator versus alien and it was going <laughs> to be... <laughs> And like all those notes that I'm writing, it did not make any sense. And I didn't do it. Well, now you have to. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. We'll post it through Instagram. Wow. That's good. (laughs) That's some good shit. There's something there. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Before bed ideas are always like, that's when my good shit always comes to me. It's like right as I'm trying to fall asleep. It's nuts. Probably because like for the first time all day, my brain, like I've stopped shoving shit into my brain for long enough for it to actually have some novel ideas. Me too. Like it's the first time I'm actually thinking by myself and not playing Sudoku or something like that. I'm not snorting other people's content, (laughs) doing rails of memes throughout the day. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, her brother takes it upon himself to start hyping her up to everyone, just blatantly lying about her. Basically saying, you know, she's the heiress to the ex-lax fortune. All sorts of things about her. The one that caught me a little off guard that I felt was slightly unnecessary was pretending that they used to date. Not only that they used to date, but like that she's incredible at fucking him. (laughs) She left him because there's no way he would have left puss that good. Yes, it is so strange. You could do this some other way. Also, like you're still using your regular names. (laughs) So you still have the same last name. (laughs) Oh, I mean, first of all, it worked. And second of all, he didn't think anything of it. Not 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 even a no, just whatever it takes. No. So fucking weird. But it worked. That's a good point. So she's slowly but steadily getting more and more popular. And I feel like not even slowly or steadily. It just happens like so quick. I stand corrected. She pretty much wakes up popular. All of a sudden we're on shopping trips and she's changing up her wardrobe and all of this. So And also blowing off the denominators. And so Aldis is kind of like, you can fuck right off. Yeah. Well, for good reason. I mean, she's just- For good a, reason. Aldis was so, so incredibly nice to her. The first time she saw her being ostracized, she was like, do you want to go get some food? 
It's like, what a good friend. What a good person. She starts blowing her off with no notice. Yeah. The first taste of being popular, she just doesn't care. And maybe she shouldn't because like, I... This is her job and she's not here to be like, but like still. Just like The Bachelor, she's not here to make friends. (laughs) Oh, nice. I can't not say this because it's really in my head now. But so I know you probably don't watch Love Island, but we may have some listeners who do. I am obsessed with Love Island. Of course I love Love Island. Yeah. (gasps) You do? Yeah, of course. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. I don't know why, why I, maybe I knew that, but I don't think I did. I don't think I've ever talked oh about God. it, but I love Love Island. I fucking love Love Island so much. Yeah. Me and PJ just watch it together every single night yes. in the summer. Fuck yeah. It's the best. So then you're, and, and you're caught up on the American version. Oh, I've only been watching the British version. Oh my God. Okay. So right now, British and America are airing simultaneously. Hell yeah. Wait, what is it on? Peacock. Oh, hell yeah. I pay for Peacock. That's awesome. Fucking get into it, yeah. Let's go. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) slight spoiler, but nothing major. But I have to talk about this because it's driving me insane because of this whole thing with the brother being like, oh, yeah, we used to date or whatever. And they're just like in high school together. Just like so on this season of Love Island USA, two bombshells come in one episode, a male and a female. And it turns out that they're a brother and sister. And we were just like, no, no. Why would they do that? And then we're just like, what if they start? <laughs> they just couple up with each other. Or they're like in the same bedroom, like in beds next to each other, right. having sex with people, like in the same room. Like, so fucking, which is a weird move. Yeah, because there's, like, math at certain times that works out that, like, there's a possibility they need to be coupled together because of how it works right. out. Right, right. Like, what the fuck would they do if they were, like, the only two left <laughs> You gotta sleep end. in the same bed because there's only, like... And, like, just like when we were kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He could sleep on the couch, I suppose, but wow. I'd like to couple up with this girl because uh, it feels like I've known her forever. <laughs> Because she loves mom as much as I do. <laughs> I know she's family oriented. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so fucked up. But yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yep. I can't wait to watch that. Yep. Anywho, we're at school and Molly Shannon decides to drop in and pay a little visit. I don't know why she thought that was a good idea. I don't know because they've all been watching the whole newspaper. Right. Everybody has been watching her every move, reality TV style. None of them have any work to do. Because we all know that's how a newspaper works. It's not very, you know, quick moving or... (laughs) Intense deadline driven. Mm -mm. No. So she just decides to come down to school and have lunch with her or something because it wouldn't be weird at all for her to be seen having lunch with like a 45-year-old woman. But I think she wanted to catch a glimpse of her teacher because she thought he was hot. Sure. She also wanted to see if she could detect any pedophile vibes. Of course, she gets confused with Pam, the sex talk lady. And then just has to wing it. So she starts teaching this sex ed class. So funny. We have, of course, like students putting condoms on bananas. Am I wrong to think that this is 17 is way too late? <laughs> Scholastically, I don't know. But realistically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> None of these people know how to put on a condom. Like, what are we supposed to think? I was on the pill at 16. Right. Like, either either we're supposed to think these people have sex a lot and they just never put on condoms or that none of these people have had sex before. Also, they're definitely all having sex and none of them are doing this very well. Like, That's none what I of mean. Them are yeah. Yeah, not even putting the condom on right. So maybe you could have done this a year before, two years. All these kids are just 
doing the pull and pray, I guess. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the motto of their school. Ignorance is bliss. The teacher like comes over to like say something nice to her and she like snaps the condom right in his eyeball. Uh, then a voice comes over the intercom saying, the rival high school picked the same prom theme and everyone goes fucking <laughs> berserk. Like they're about to burn the school down. <laughs> yes, they're totally losing it. And like, it's really convenient because like, I don't think there's like a great way out of that scene besides this. And then we don't have to ever worry about, <laughs> about what's going on. Right, right. How do we transition away yes. from this weird scene? So for whatever reason, Guy puts Josie on the spot to pick the new prom theme, which is like, ah, that's a lot of pressure. It was very weird. There is nothing before this that would suggest that he would ever do this. Not at all. Like, and is it a move out of malice or because he's into her? You can't really tell. It seems like a challenge. I mean, I guess based on the way he embraces her answer, it's meant to be sort of like a an act of goodwill. He puts her on the spot and the prom theme she picks is meant for each other, famous couples throughout history. And everyone loves it. She's officially, officially popular. Mm -hmm. To be fair, that's a great theme. It is a fantastic theme. But also, what if you are going alone? Oh, well, maybe you could be like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or something like that. So, so much pressure to go with a date with that theme. It's like couples only. Right. Yeah. Everyone, all the other single loser people can have millennium or whatever. Or be a DNA strand altogether. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Devil helix. Well, I mean, so the theme is great, but some of these costumes don't make any sense. Like when they're getting to the prom, there's like a bunch of the village people, like no one took it seriously. Right. None of them are, they're not necessarily famous couples throughout no. time. And like, it just becomes a huge Halloween party, like, because it's not like right. dresses. Right, it's just famous and, groups. <laughs> or just <laughs> famous anyone, anyone you could think of. Correct. Um, what would your costume be, by the way, for famous couples in history? Ooh, I would say one of my favorite. Well, one of my favorite couples costumes I've ever done for Halloween that I would probably have totally rocked at prom would be Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, like the spies, Angelina and Brad. I mean, granted, it didn't exist in 1999, but if we were doing it today, that would be a pretty cool one. What about you? I'll do. What, what about Regis and Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> really good. Not Regis and Kelly, Regis and Kathy. Yes, yeah, the better known. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Or I would want to do Sunny and Cher. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. That's such a good one. But like, I guess in a scenario where you didn't want to have a date, like you could go with your best friend and be like Betty and Veronica or- Right, that's a good I mean? point. Yeah, meant for each other, like as friends. That's like the worst thing you could hear from somebody <laughs> that you're like trying to pursue and they're just like, you're just like, look, I just think we're yes. meant for each other. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Like meant for each other as friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're Betty and I'm Veronica. Yeah. It's get friend zoned really fast. going to walk right into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just going to take this uh, exhaust hose and just stick it right in my window. Excuse me. I need to take a nap in my running car. <laughs> um. So comfy. Anyway, this is <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah. sneaky. so comfy. Uh, so this is where we have the montage of her like being super popular. And Rob decides to throw this big house party. And it's the same. I realize now it's the same house that they grew up in. So I guess like he's he still lives with his parents. Right. But they don't talk about that beforehand. So it's a little bit confusing. But yeah, no, I didn't think about it until she gets picked up for prom. Then I was like, oh, this is their same house. Yeah. So Rob is taking a 16-year-old to prom. Yeah. And she's like, 
Rob, she's 16. He's like, yeah, and a gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, Whoa. And she's eager. She is an eager yes. beaver. And then, of course, like right on cue as she's about to rip him a new one, guy gets up in her face and she's like, oh, just kidding. Hooking up with children is cool. Way cool. Yeah. <laughs> because she's overpowered by his popularity. And it's just like just like in the first scene where she thought Billy was coming through the door. It's just Billy. Like she's she's ready to do it over yeah. again. And she's just way too invested. Like very much. Again, you are an investigative reporter. You are undercover. Like anyone who's working that kind of thing would probably he'd leave the room and they'd be like, Great, okay, right according to plan. Let's make a note about this. And she's just like, ha, ah, Liz Woon. Again, just like, they were right. She's a terrible reporter. She's not cut out for this. No, she's just way too invested. She's totally forgot about her job. Right, yeah. right. Like, we don't even see her writing anything no. throughout the whole movie. Well, luckily, everything is recorded through her brooch. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, brother and sister just back in high school, living their best lives. Hot teacher is getting her meetings with the admissions at Dartmouth. Like, he's just like, I really believe in you. Like, you know, just kind of going out of the way. And John C. Riley's just like, all right, this has to be the angle. This creepy teacher is the story. We need to save our asses. He's totally preying on you. And she's just like, no, no. That's because he is good at his job. <laughs> and that is what the story is. Yeah. yeah. Boy, he's taking his job seriously and has two eyes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Cut to prom night. She looks so beautiful. And man, like, so she's standing on the same stoop that she got stood up on the first time. And we see the limo pull up. Guy stands up through the sunroof and you can tell she's like kind of freaked out that, you know, it's going to be a, a redo. But she panics. And when he rolls up, he just pulls a rose. It looks to me, I feel like they did it on purpose where it's like he's holding the rosebud in his hand and it's a white rose. So it looks like an egg. But then he like holds it up and then there's the stem. So and I knew it wasn't going to be that like that, but it's still kind of. Because it's just because of how terrible that was, that first one was. like uh, It's like PTSD. Super triggering. She has every reason to have like an intense trauma response. Yes. <laughs> By the way, they are Rosalind and Orlando from Shakespeare. So now the whole office is kind of just binge watching on the live cam. All the popular girls show up as different Barbies. The mathletes come as a DNA double helix attached by strings. The 16-year-old just wants to bang Rob. Josie somehow miraculously wins prom queen and Guy wins king. And the teacher is announcing it and it's just like all too much. Guy wins king. They have their first dance. He's the dream boy, but he is kind of a dumbass. There's really no substance there. What does she ask him? She's like, he, well, he asks her like, "What are you thinking about?" And she gives like this really like, oh yeah, right answer. And then she's like, "What are you thinking about?" And he's like, "My sword." <laughs> yes, I love that line. <laughs> Which, if that is meant to be too kind of just like symbolism of like high school boys are always thinking about their dicks, like yes, it is. But well, it's a really funny yeah, line. Well yeah. played. Then the teacher asks her to dance on what? planet i don't know i don't know you would never dance with your teacher at the prom no never ever never ever uh, like they wouldn't have even gotten through a dance because another teacher probably would have come over and been like whoa, whoa 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 what's up you just like hear sirens yeah yes unreal 
Meanwhile, earlier, you know, when they were buying prom tickets, Aldis pissed off some of the cool kids. But she pisses them off by just trying to go. She's just trying to buy a ticket and they're giving her a hard time. And of course, she like one-ups them by being smart enough to diss them. So they put together this whole plan involving like spilling dog food all over her. Guy asks Aldis to dance and she like takes off her DNA costume and she's wearing this like royal blue spandex leotard unitard and she just looks like a vision she's just so dreamy like her long hair she's just like kind of a goddess and this part like because i don't even really care so much about josie getting her feelings hurt i really really didn't want this girl to get her feelings hurt no 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 this this i feel like she's a better person she is yeah she ugh, that was a bit would have been so awful and and josie is starting to see this play out in slow motion So just in time, she kind of runs over, knocks the dog food can out of their hands, and it splatters all over the popular girls, which, of course, they're not happy about. They're like, we knew it. You are a loser. And in this moment, she completely blows her cover, reveals that she's a 25-year-old journalist, gives a pretty baller speech about- It's pretty cool. Yeah, being yourself, not keeping other people down. She also exposes Rob, and everyone's like, ew. Yeah, everyone just like kind of like cringes away from him. It's it's a great speech because like she's talking about how like the person you are now, like you need to find the person who you are because it's not this. Yeah, like none of this is going to matter. None of these people are going to matter, which for her is kind of like the full circle. Like I'm not going to let myself be defined by how shitty people treated me back in high school. Yeah, she's delivering a speech kind of to herself too. Yeah, um, it's her big realization. But the weird part is like I just don't know – why this was the thing <laughs> i mean i no, i guess i do a little bit but it seems kind of out of the blue where she's like freeze i'm an investigative reporter like you know like <laughs> just kind of like Put she's like going down <laughs> yeah right it's like she had to win prom queen before she did that and then she's like okay so now the next thing that happens i'm gonna come clean right by the way i still don't have a story for the <laughs> right, record right yeah. I have nothing, but I'm going to blow my cover right now. She could have just taken a stand as a high school student and been like That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Why did she have to be like, "I'm by the way, I'm 25." So I know. While she's giving this baller speech, the teacher runs out of the prom. And this is where I really lose my shit. <laughs> In my mind, this is a part where he sighs a deep, deep sigh of relief being like, oh, thank God. I've been really at war with myself for being a total creep dick. Yes. And now like she's 25. What great news. But no. This is the problem with the whole thing. It doesn't matter that she's 25. It doesn't make your intentions any better. Correct. Also like, God. Because he doesn't even know at this point that, like, him being a him being creepy was an angle. Like, she's not like, by the way, I'm 25 and right, I'm trying to bust this guy for hitting on me. <laughs> this piece of shit, yeah. So, of course, like, you know, she runs out of the prom and the van guy runs up and is like, please tell me you got something on that teacher. <laughs> and because, of course, everyone's, like, rooting for that because the, he's clearly a predator. But, of course, the teacher's right there and he's so pissed. And he's like, you set me up for a story? Yeah, it was bad timing. But it's also like, please tell me you got something for the teacher. It's like, no, all we have is this 50 hours of footage of him being a piece of shit. Like, yeah, they've got enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. I got nothing. We just danced together at the prom. but <laughs> <laughs> Right. 
Right. What did you want? What do we – we've got nothing. So like, dude, just maybe be relieved you're not totally fucked. Yeah. His whole angle is like, you lied to me, <laughs> dude. So then anyway, the brother is pissed that she blew his cover and took everything away from him. The boss is pissed because her cover was blown. We also we also skipped over my absolute favorite line in the movie <laughs> when when Josie storms out and Rob is still like not sure whether he's going to be accepted. He's like, "Wow, that was just like Carrie. I thought she was going to kill us all." <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I say one thing about that? Of course, Rob is doing well in baseball. He's twenty five years old. Yeah, no shit. Like. Everyone would be like, yeah, fucking recruit him immediately. Like, he plays like he's been playing for eight more years than everyone else. He's got a tw- – or 23. He's got a 23-year-old's body. No shit. He's better at baseball than a bunch of 17 year <laughs> Right. Sorry, that was a little aside, but I, I really bugged me. Also, the fact that their whole team wasn't completely disqualified <laughs> from the finals because they had had a 23-year-old playing for them all right, season. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, let this one go. Make him a coach. It was a really good idea. Uh, I could see how he got in there. So everyone's mad at her. She vows to get him his story. So she writes this whole piece about her experience growing up and everything she learned going back to high school. And she apologizes to the teacher, asks him to come meet her in the middle of the baseball field to give her her first kiss. He, meanwhile, like, we don't even know if he's going to read it. He's, like, using all the newspapers to wrap his belongings because he's decided to move to New York to be with his shitty, shitty girlfriend. <laughs> we don't – is he going to New York or is he going to Mexico? We don't because know really where he's going. <laughs> he's like, I just need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, right. We're going to Guam. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> We're going to Guam. Everyone just goes there to hide out. He gets That's there. That's where Sam's going, yeah. He gets there and fucking Mr. Wormwood sells him a car. <laughs> oh, God. It all exists. Yeah, he- That's the big twist of this movie. It exists in the same universe as Matilda. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that he's packing up to be like, oh, I could be in serious trouble and I need to get out of here. Yeah, I need to cross state lines like immediately. <laughs> Damn. Dude. So he's like, this story's going to break any minute, and I'm fucked. So she goes to the the baseball field, and the turnout is huge. Like, everyone – also, like, no one's mad at her anymore, I guess, because they read the story. and She was very flattering in the story. I think that monologue is yeah. is the best part of very the Very endearing. Like, everyone loves her, and they all want to support her. So there's a huge turnout. So much pressure. I would be sh- just bricking it. I just don't know how. Yeah. So they put five minutes on the clock, which that's a long time to be waiting. I was going to say the same thing. I was I was trying to figure out if there was any way we could like like make real how how long five minutes is. Like if we just did ten seconds of dead air. Great, let's go for it. Excruciating. That was only 10 seconds. Excruciating. And that was so <laughs> brutal. <laughs> and we're not even in front of a live right. audience. And then people have to like like clap and then they get kind of tired of clapping. Right. Like they're all cheering the whole time and it's like no one would be cheering for five straight minutes. Also no, like especially like time is running out. Like it's really going down and down and I would just be like 
so even if I was in the stands, I would just be like, oh, fuck, this is so brutal. Yeah, I don't want to see this person get so embarrassed. Like, I would, I think I'd just leave. I wouldn't be there. No. At like three minutes, yeah. I'd be like, I have to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or I need a Xanax. Because also, like, there's a chance this guy won't come because uh, the article she writes is like really damning. A certain teacher was hurt in my path to self-discovery. It makes it so clear that they they had a relationship. Like they loved one another. So he's not going to go to a public place to, to get caught by the police. <laughs> like, can you imagine that whole thing as a setup? Yeah, right. <laughs> he shows up and it's like, woo, you're under arrest. <laughs> Chris Hansen <laughs> just runs in from the bullpen. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? She's not actually 17. <laughs> Like, doesn't matter. You're fucking gross. You're arrest because she's yeah. not 17. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. The time is running out, and it goes completely down to zero. And she's clearly crushed. Everyone is. But suddenly, people start clapping from somewhere in the back. Hot teacher is running down the stands. He, I will say this, like, as much as his character is problematic, the way he walked to her with that, such determination and like laser right on her gave me goosebumps. Yeah, it's great. Like his personality and the way he is and the way he he's just like an attractive person, everything about him. Yeah. Like honestly, he'd be much more hateable if this was anybody else. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm casting for this must have been so delicate. And apparently he was de he was really not the front runner and Drew Barrymore had to really fight for him. Really? Do you know who it was? Nope. I really would love to see this as another person and it to just blow up. It's like Vince Vaughn. That's what I'm thinking, like <laughs> like Tony like, Shalhoub or something like that. <laughs> That's like it takes on such a like Woody Allen vibe. <laughs> yes, or Woody Allen would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They have a kiss. It's such a good kiss. He says, Sorry I'm late. It took me forever to get here. And she says, I know what you mean. And everyone in the stand starts making out. Finally, Molly Shannon and John C. Riley get together. Her brother is now the coach of the baseball team because who needs consequences? And we just zoom out on them making out in the middle of the field as the baseball team starts to run out and start the game. And we get a happy ending. So we have, have a bit of an, of an anecdote, a fun fact, if you will. Hot Teacher was on the Drew Barrymore show semi recently. So he revealed. Well, in his words, I'll I'll read his words. Yeah, you got to read it verbatim because it, it, it really does come through. Yeah, yeah. I will read it verbatim. So he says, so we embrace and we start kissing and you really kissed me. I mean, you really kissed me. I was not ready for it in the least. And I'm a man. I was a very young man back then and I had uh, feelings. The feelings, they just happened. And I very quickly realized I was in a very bad spot because I was wearing very loose slacks and I thought, this is going to be a disaster. When they cut, I thought, I must preemptively end this. So what I did in a panic, I just yelled cut and bent over and said, oh, guys, sorry, I put my back out playing ball. Anyway, I went off into my corner and was thinking horrible thoughts like, you know, dead puppies, dead puppies. Finally, I was able to compose myself, and luckily, the subsequent scenes went on without a hitch. But that was a – you're a very good kisser. I'm sure you have a great reputation. That just makes you look like a fucking creep. Like, why did you need to do that? Yes. Like, we're already trying to not look at you like <laughs> right. such a fucking creep in this movie. 
And now you're like, well, I have popped a boner during production. Because <laughs> her kiss was so good. What are you, like, a professional? How dare like, you kiss on, me man. so good? This is meant to be acting. And it's this that line comes in front of like a, a live studio audience, and they are nervously giggling at best. Like it is not right. They're like, is it okay that we laugh at this? Or because everyone uh, on stage, like you could, David Arquette's on stage too, and he's just like. Not looking because he's like kind of uncomfortable. Ugh. Because it's fucking weird. And you would think like this is some uh, an anecdote they agreed on beforehand. Yeah, but apparently. But the she... reaction feels. By the way, you can look this up on YouTube if anybody wants to see the cringiness yeah, of this actual it. moment. Yeah, okay. We'll put in the show notes for your viewing pleasure. Yeah, because she's telling but... her, it's like, I've got an anecdote. And she's like, an anecdote I know? It's like, oh, no. And then, oh, so he just drops this bomb, and everyone unless like, it was scripted, oh, I don't is, know. Yeah, we did not. <laughs> Yikes! So there's that. Um, <laughs> final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I. So I like this movie. The more it went on, as I said before, I think the beginning I was like, this movie, just nothing about it is working for me. Like I'm not interested. It's such an attractive premise just being able to go back to high school and just like see what it's like i mean they, they've done it a bunch of course but like it's you know it's fun to watch stuff like that and i think that their different take here which is similar to mean girls too actually where they don't really come down too hard on regina george at the end like they're it's all kind of like yeah you know this is everyone's playing their role and they're trying to figure out who they are it's not villainizing anybody even though these people are terrible but they're also kind of like, we do stupid things in high school and, you know, it shouldn't define us, blah, blah, blah. Except maybe if you sleep with the 17-year-old and you're 25, because that should define you, I think. But um, I think that the first time I watched this, I didn't really like it because I, it was 1999. I was 10. I mean, I it seems like a weird thing because they the audience should be people who fantasize about going to high school back to high school but the audience is actually people in high school yeah so don't don't need to have that fantasy yeah so it's a little confused but i thought overall it's really funny like everything with molly shannon is so funny um drew barrymore just does a good job because she always does a good job and she's really 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 believable as a nerd um and just like a really strange person um and it kind of made me thought think that like there's got to be part of her that's kind of like that. Um, but I just, you know, it's a good movie. I think I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to give this movie six IDs printed at the Tiki Post. My final thoughts. I think this movie got lucky in that it was in the hands in which it was and that Drew Barrymore was the lead and that, you know, good casting, good. I think this movie could have been really bad. Like it could have been done really badly, but it's true. Like there is, we do, we root for her. She is, she just has that kind of infectious charisma that just makes you want to giggle along with her and a really strong ensemble. It's obviously, you know, even though it's not a super original plot line, we still want to know what happens. They still add in like enough suspense to it where it's like, we know the other shoe's going to drop, but just, it's just a matter of when. So, it does keep us interested. I remember it being <laughs> – I, I remember watching this when I was younger and I remember not picking up on any of the pedo vibes whatsoever. 
like why it didn't occur to me. No, me either. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. But like obviously this girl's teacher is blatantly hitting on her and it did not register in any part of my brain, which is worrisome because clearly <laughs> I was not taught enough about stranger danger in that regard. So yeah, to watch it now with, with the new eyes and just be like really taken off guard. I was really taken off guard by how in your face it is. And I just was like, oh, fuck. But you know what? It's still, still a rom-com, still has your romantic moments, has your comedy moments. I am a fan. I will give it seven white feather boas. Go follow us on TikTok. Go follow us on Instagram. If you love us, please share, tag us. We would love to reshare your stories. Go ahead and leave a review. Give us your suggestions. Let us know what movies you want to see. Let us know what movies you want to hear us talk about. Or if you have any guests that you would like to recommend, any comedians or nostalgia influencers that are your faves, let us know. Yeah, thank you so much if you've stuck around for uh, our little short break and we're really excited for <laughs> the second season or whatever we're going to call call this. Of, whatever this is. Yeah, we're really excited. We will see you next week on Millennial Movie Club. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later Later days. days.